You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. What's up, mentor and mentoring leaders? Wanted to share with you guys some exciting information we got. You Can Mentor has released a book. It's entitled You Can Mentor, How to Impact Your Community, Fulfill the Great Commission, and Break Generational Curses. The purpose behind this book is to train up more mentors and more mentoring leaders to effectively disciple the next generation through mentoring. If you will, please go purchase a book on our website. You can find it on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, leave a five-star review that helps us out a ton. If you're a mentoring organization and you want multiple copies, holler at us and we will give you guys a deal. You can find out more information on the You Can Mentor website. Go pick up that book, You Can Mentor. As mentors and really just as people, we need a right understanding of our need for God. My friends Craig Dennison and Josh Miller are on the podcast today. They lead First 15, a daily devotional guiding over a million people into a fresh experience with God's presence every day. I think First 15 is a great resource that will help mentors establish a more tangible, meaningful connection with God. So that's why I have them on the podcast today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please just share it with someone you know. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Stephen Murray, and I have two special guests, close friends, Josh Miller and Craig Dennison from First 15. How the heck are you guys? Doing great. Stephen, thanks for having us, man. We like, I've had you on our podcast multiple times now, all of which was just to get on your podcast. So thanks for like finally catching the hint <laughs> after the last one. This has all been the long game for us just trying to get here. So we've finally arrived. We've arrived. Hey, started from the bottom. Now you're ranked 218 in Trinidad and Tobago in the in the religious Christianity genre. So moving up in the world. So good. You know how like YouTube gives people plaques when they get like certain levels of, can I get a plaque for being 218 in Trinidad and Tobago? That's the plaque I want. Yes. I honestly don't even know if that's two countries or just one. Like it's kind of, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find two, out. I don't know either, actually. That's that's probably their subheader. Daddy, so. we're so sorry for not knowing your your geography and your uh, societal history. Please. Forgive. Oh my gosh, that's right. They're listening. Hey, thank you so much for for listening to the podcast. That's awesome. You can mentor. Well, let me let me share real quick how I know these guys. They run an organization called First Fifteen, which is all about. I mean, our 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 kind of tagline is you can mentor their tagline is you can experience god that's a lot cooler than mine i'll have to say so tell craig can you tell us a little bit about first 15 give people an overview of what you guys yeah sure thing yeah so spending time alone with god uh, has radically transformed every part of my life i found that rhythm at a low point in college when i prayed i think one of my first authentic prayers uh, i prayed god i don't know what to do but i know you know what to do tell me what to do and i'll do it and in that moment I think I was really listening for the first time, maybe, and really wanting God to say something in response. And God doesn't often talk to me this way, like directly like this. But in that moment, I genuinely heard him say to my heart, it just needs to be me and you for a while. 
And I knew he was pulling me out of finding affirmation and affection in others and seeking to find my purpose and affirmation and affection in him. And that rhythm of worshiping and reading and praying is just what I went and did after that one evening where I like heard that from him changed everything for me genuinely. I think it's carried me through so many different life transformations and seasons. And I definitely, like I was telling the team this even as like the author of this daily devotional, we're helping a lot of people spend time with God now. Like I struggle to get that time in the morning. So I always say like, what we do, I really want it to not come from a place of obligation. Like believers, I think have this sense of like, I know I should read the Bible and I know I should pray and I know I should get time with God. And it's all these shoulds. And what I see it as, and what I hope we do as ministry is it's helping people say yes to this invitation. It's not an obligation, it's an invitation that God wants to meet with us. And whether, you know, with my two-year-old, it's like, I'm just thrilled when he climbs into my lap for five minutes. Uh, even if it's been weeks and he's just busy, 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 like running around the house when he just wants me for five minutes. Like, I'm not mad for the two weeks he didn't. I'm not mad when he wants to hop off five minutes later. I just cherish those minutes I have. And I think that's the way God is with us. And so we, at first, I think try to help people say yes to that invitation by creating these daily devotionals on platforms people already use and devices they already use and making it donor funded. So there's not that barrier of cost. And now we help like over a million people spend meaningful time on God and worship, worship and reading and prayer, which is insane and terrifying. That is insane. I mean, and if you multiply that by 15 minutes, that's 15 million minutes of people's lives that, that you've taken from them. <laughs> Hopefully it's not that. <laughs> oh, vicious. And Josh, Josh, you, you're a former worship pastor. Craig was a former worship pastor. And I don't know if, if worship pastors, if you say former or you're just, you're always a worship pastor, once a worship pastor, always a worship pastor. Is that something, is that a, a thing? Question. I don't it's know. Been like you're hitting on my midlife crisis of trying to define myself <laughs> these past few years. Cause uh, yeah, I historically have been a, a worship leader, worship pastor, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, since high school, when I started picking up a guitar and leading worship at my little church and over the past season, I've been sort of transitioning away from that and trying to figure out what this kind of next stage of life is and, you know, about to turn 35. And so in this like weird spot of going, am I still a, a worship leader? I don't really do that anymore. Like at least as a vocation on a stage, am I still a worship leader? Is there something else that God has for me? And so it's a, I think it's a very poignant question in my life right now around, are you always a worship leader? And I kind of came to this place of, I don't really see myself as a vocational worship leader anymore, but I do, I think as believers, worship is something that we don't outgrow. And so I think that really, it just expands the definition for me outside of just a vocation into something that I should be worshiping and even leading my own household in worship in some form or fashion constantly, regardless of vocation. But no, the short answer to your question is I don't really consider myself a worship leader anymore. Uh, the long, the long answer is I have no idea and I'm still figuring that out. So. <laughs> I'm sorry to send you down an existential, yes. like a uh, moment there. It's not a that's, good podcast. That's awesome. not to, like, <laughs> Josh and I say. That's right. I don't know who I am. No, that's amazing. And I, I wanted to mention you guys just started a new project, First 15 Worship. And you guys, I mean, you're practically, you have a record label, you have a devotional, you got books. I mean, you have podcasts. You guys are like the GM of Christianity, like the, the Christian conglomerate. household cleaning um, products. <laughs> just some uh, God-breathed bleach, things like that, so... Come on. It's good. He, he makes us white as snow. So, uh -huh. so yeah, I mean, if you're listening, check the show notes for first15.org as well as First 15 Worship. They're on Spotify. They just released an awesome kind of EP with some great music. And and you guys, how do I describe you? You carry you carry that that kind of peace, tranquility, that the peace that surpasses understanding. That's what I experience when I read First 15 or listen to your music and 
And I mean, the presence of God should leave us in in a a, a place of okay, receiving, feeling loved, feeling accepted. And I I never walk away from one of your devotionals feeling like Craig wants me to go do something else or wants me to like the the call to action is to rest. It's it's not to try harder. And so I, I've always appreciated your kind of mentality and in, in doing a devotional. And I think that's important for mentors, which is why I want you to be on the podcast is, is really, I think mentors are usually the guys that are always looking for something to do, something to do, something to do that we derive our identity and satisfaction in life based off of the fruit of our life. And there may be a lot of questions we have to ask internally about are we compensating for something, trying to find our life outside of ourselves? Or is there really something about what you said, Craig, of God saying, hey, I want I want you to come away with me for a season. Like, I just want this intimacy between us, which is weird saying intimacy on a podcast with three dudes. But God wants to call us into an intimate relationship with him. And so, yeah, I mean, that's why I want you on the podcast, Craig, not not to just teach us how to throw axes or whatever the next guy on the podcast is going to teach us how to mentor kids from hard places. And so really, what what are your thoughts? What do mentors need need most in order to be effective mentors of kids from hard places? And how does that influence their their spiritual walk with God? Yeah, man, such a good question. Um, And thanks for describing first team that way. That's definitely like the hope and prayer. And so the fact that it comes across that way is really confirming and affirming. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think, you know, what God's been doing in my own life uh, across the last few years, Josh and I talk about this often, as a ministry was growing and family was expanding, I have two boys that are four and two, and my wife is busy doing a ton of stuff too, where we do a lot as a family, we think, and uh, probably too much. And uh, it's a weekly conversation for us. It's like, okay, we just, last week was too much. And that's again, it's like last week was too much. We just are always in that too much space, it feels like. But I feel like the main th- like scripture that God's been giving me has been Psalm 4610, which says, we still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And we often quote that, be still and know that I'm God peace, but it's in the same chunk in Psalm 46. And I think it's this invitation God gives us to say like, whether you do anything, like I am going to be exalted among the nations and in the earth. And in fact, there's something really powerful about starting like our faithful activity of blessing those that are around us from a place of stillness and recognizing that it's God that's moving and working and cares far more deeply about everyone around us than we ever could. And it's from the place of being still and recognizing that that I think he invites us into meaningful activity. I don't know who to attribute this quote to, but it's been a lot of people have said this, but I think the way I've been thinking about it is that God says that we're human beings more than human doings. You know, and I think his invitation to us, even in the context of like him coming down to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is Jesus came and lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death. And at the moment of his death, a passage like at Easter, we don't often talk about, it's like right after the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, like at the moment. And it says that a bunch of dead people got out of their graves and walked around. <laughs> like, that's what it says. And we never tell that at Easter. Like, can you imagine? That's insane. And we, so we miss often, it's like, in that we, we stop at the death of Jesus and we're like, we're so grateful for heaven. And we miss the reality that it was at his death that God said, my presence now is not contained anymore. Like it's fully available. And resurrection happened in that moment. Like restoration happened in that moment. And I think it's a picture of what life on earth is meant to look like. And it's a picture that God goes the whole way. Like we don't, with people, you know, it's like we try to go and meet them where they're at. It's like God met us where he meets us where we're at. He has met us where we're at. And he's done all the work we need to do. And in that place of just connecting to that and abiding in that, like John 15 says, 
then I, then I think from that place of being and, and being in a place of health, like I think we can get into doing. And I often wonder like how much better we would be advancing the kingdom of God because he does say we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth and that we're the hope for the world and you know the great commission and this kingdom's advancement. But I often wonder if that looked like Christians being the healthiest people, emotionally, health, physically, spiritually. And if we had the healthiest families and marriages and relationships and were productive at work, but not by climbing this ladder of success on the world's definitions, but being productive as God would define productive. Like if we can give ourselves to that first and foremost, how attractive our faith would be and how much people would be like, that's what I'm looking for versus what we try to do, which is be the people that are working our fingers to the bone and we're the most exhausted and we're seeing all these, you know, spiritual leadership failings and our marriages are no healthier statistically in terms of, you know, divorce rates than those outside of the church and all that stuff. It's like, what's attractive about that? Like there's there's not a lot that feels better to to our lives that's visible. And so I say that to say, I think if we start from a place of being and then build our place of doing from that, I think the weight can come off and we can be who God's made us to be and embody our uniqueness in the earth and just do what he's called us to be. Like we're not the whole body. We're meant to be a part of the body of Christ and he's the head and we're the body and we're just a facet of that. And so in all of that, I think that's that main story of God invites us every day to be with him. And then from that place of being, we can find those places that we are naturally in, in, in health able to do. And I think that will produce far more dividends for the blessing of others around us than anything we can strive to do in our own strength on our own. Wow. It's deep. It's deep, Craig. <laughs> and I, I, love what, I love what you said just about what would it look like for Christians to be the healthiest people, the healthiest families, the people that abided, that that had a place to process their pain, were able to say no and not just be consistently burned out by life's challenges and demands. And I I think there is a part of being a Christian that leads you to think that that's what God expects of you is, well, like to die is, like to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so we are kind of always thinking in that manner of like, I'm, I got to be like Jesus and do what Jesus does. And we take a lot of pride in trying to do those things as best we can. We always fall short, but, but in a way, what you're saying is like, God is God. I am not. And maybe, maybe taking care of my family, taking care of myself is, is really important to him. Maybe spending time with him is really important to him. And it's not just, yeah, an obligation that he has for me, but he actually wants life for me. So that's important to recognize too, just how countercultural this is to anything we're going to see outside of the gospel. You know, culture is going to tell you that your value is found in what you produce and how much money you're worth and all the things that you accomplish. And so when we're being fed this narrative over and over and over every day, whether it's on, on the news, on Netflix, on social media, we begin to believe that that's where our value and importance comes from. And so, of course, we're going to get burned out, worn out, feel inadequate. And so it's so important for us not just to add Christian principles on top of cultural narrative, but to really redefine what's important and kind of start from the, from the beginning and, and go, we find our value and our hope and our life in Christ. And we're already, before we've done anything valuable and loved, that's what allows you to minister from a place of rest, where if you start from the cultural narrative, you no, know, I actually have to work and accomplish and do all these great things. 
to earn that value and respect and love and all of that. And so that's just a recipe for disaster because you, you know, I don't know if you've experienced it, but it, you keep adding things upon other things, just keep chasing the <laughs> this elusive success, whether that be in good Christian things or elsewhere, you can still chase this like elusive feeling of success or I've done enough or I've made it. And it just, it's never there, you know, where, because it's just opposite mm -hmm. to what, the kingdom, how the kingdom of God works, where we start from success, we start from acceptance, and then we can, in wisdom and in humility, look for the things that God's called us to and the opportunities that he's given us, not just saying yes, because it's another opportunity, but saying yes, because that's actually where God wants us to go. And it's, it's hard even in Christian circles sometimes to separate the two, you know, like, oh, it's an opportunity for a good thing. I should do it. Sometimes there are opportunities for good things that we shouldn't do. There are places we don't need to go, things we don't need to take on, things that we can say no to, but we can only, I think, have the strength to do that when we feel already loved, already at peace, already at rest, not trying to achieve. And so that's really what we hope to do in First 15 is encourage people that, you know, 98% of the things you're going to hear today are going to be telling you to strive more, accomplish more, hustle more. You know, that's like the word that you hear all the time these days, hustle, just hustle more. And so we kind of have to, we're leaning the other way and going, slow down, stop. You don't have to work so hard. You know, you're already loved, you're already accepted. And so it's just, we need more people saying that, I think. Well, and you have no idea how much that connects to mentoring kids from hard places because the narrative of a kid from poverty is that he needs to be more productive. He needs to do this, to do that, to fall in line, to learn the social cues, to figure out these skills. And, and so he's handed a list of a hundred things that he has to know how to do in order to make it. But more often than not, the list is not enough. The, the challenges are, are too great for him to overcome him or her. And, and that really what the kid needs most is someone to accept them for who they are, someone to meet with them, give them presence, be with them and care about their, their person, not just their, their product or the things that they create. And yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what we want our mentors to understand, but it's, it's funny that, I mean, in this, we're fed a narrative from the culture of that's what's expected of us. And so if we're being fed that narrative, naturally we're feeding others that narrative just by proxy of the example we're living or the things we're teaching. And I mean, teaching those expectations within our mentor relationships. And so we're just continuing the cycle rather than breaking it, which I, I mean, I, yeah, I love that you guys are standing here. Whoa, slow down. Like let's, Let's 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 take a minute to rest and and walk with Jesus and I, I mean I just think that's so good. What here's a question. I mean you guys sound super spiritual, so I don't I don't know if there's like specific qualifications to be be a leader at First Fifteen. Was there like a spiritual test you guys had to take to to make it on their assessment? Definitely, it's it's two weeks in um in silent meditation contemplation with only a, a <laughs> teaspoon of water every uh, half day and a small serving of dried uncooked rice. And if you can make it to the other side, then man, it's rich here. You know, we, we up that to like a bottle of water a day. So if you get to the other side of that, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great spot to be. That is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> well, I imagine there's someone listening to this podcast who let's just be real. Doesn't do a quiet time. Doesn't see the point. Goes to church, takes his family and prays. I, 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 I wouldn't say consistently, but, but praise. What would be your encouragement to this guy? And it's, and it's funny because I, I guess in framing this question, 
it's like the answer I'm thinking you're going to say is, well, you got to, you got to do something. You got to figure this out. But for his spiritual walk, if it hasn't consisted of this invitation, it's more of just been maybe walking through what's been handed to him. Maybe his family went to church or the values of Jesus were relevant in his community. Why, why would this matter? Why would spending time with God, taking time out of his day to just not be productive, which doesn't make sense. It's like, no, let me go mow the lawn. Or I don't, I don't know what people do. They do things. But yeah, why, convince me or convince him why he should care about having a devotional life. How is that going to make me better? How is that going to help? Yeah, that's so good. And you know, I was reminded of this quote by Thomas Merton. He's one of my favorite scripture writers who said something to the effect of so many people get to the end of their life having climbed a ladder only to realize it was leaning up against the wrong wall, which I think is, is, a, is a mental picture that really resonates with me. And almost I get that sense every day. It's like, I can get to the end of the day and be like, man, I'm exhausted. Like I worked so hard to climb this thing, but like, did it matter at the end of the day? And like, did these string of days really matter? Like, am I really giving myself to those things that matter most in life at the end of the day? And I think that that's where there's this great invitation. I think in terms of what engaging with God can look like and like why to value that at, at what, I would, at what I would say is like at its highest place at the highest level of values. Like I think in our Western expression of our faith, especially like us as guys are so, it's so typical for us to compartmentalize things. And so like our faith is genuinely like one of those plates we just try to keep spinning among the other plates that are spinning. And so it's there, it's like the, plate, the, the faith plate spinning, family, work, friends, finances, and then you have like all the other things that get added to that. And it's just like, you're just running around trying to keep all these plates spinning and faith is one of those. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to make sure I get to church on Sunday. That way I like, like give it a good spin on Sunday. And it's like, maybe I try to keep it like from falling off on Wednesday or doing this little thing here and there. And it's, Dude, you got to spin that thing hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you, how, you better go, you better go up to the front when they have an invitation. That'll get it spinning. For sure. And it's like, oh man, and this is going to sound probably like the most like hot take thing I say, but I think even the way we talk about church is that so often it's like, Hey, come on Sunday and get your faith plate spinning. And it's like, this is your time to get full, filled up for the week. And then you can get empty. I've heard pastors literally say you'll be empty by Saturday. So make sure you come back on Sunday and get filled up again. And it's like, I don't see that in the Bible. And I don't see that as healthy. Like what if we came actually full on Sunday and it was the celebration of what we were already doing with God Monday through Saturday and Sunday. Like it wasn't the place we got filled up and it wasn't the catalyst, but it was the culmination of the fact that like God is in us and he can't get any closer than he already is. Like first Corinthians says that you and I are the temple of the Holy spirit. He calls us to an abiding relationship and nowhere in scripture is like a, a corporate service meant to be like the jumping off point for the rest of your week. And you get sent out. Like even the idea of being sent out, it's like, God doesn't leave us. Like he doesn't send us away from him. It's impossible for us to get away from him. Like the Psalms say that the heights of the height and the depths of the depths, the dark and light that God's in all of it. You know I mean? I think that's really valuable for us to recognize for a reason. So I said, all to say, I think the, the real shift is a perspective shift to go from faith being one of the plates that we keep spending to being the plate on which everything else is built in our life and placed. And it's the wow. thing that's woven into work. It's like work isn't separate from faith. It's the thing that's woven into family. It's the thing that's woven into our sense of purpose and passion is the thing that's woven into like our energy level that day and like what we really feel called to. And it's, it becomes the way that we determine like what is success look like? Like it's a redefinition of success, but the great opportunity there is I think you look at the, the, if there's two ways to live, you look at, you know, climbing that ladder of success up against the wrong wall and you see people that have the most money. You see people that have the most status. You see people that have whatever. And if they don't have that greater purpose and what they do, like it's not fulfilling. 
I, I, you know, privileged to be, be in relationship with him and grew up in a very fluent community. And I can tell you, it's one of the most broken places I've seen. Like it's, it can be incredibly broken. These families that have everything that the world would say you should have. And they, if you don't have that loving relationship and the loving perspective from yourself and those things that matter most, no amount of dollars in your bank account matters and no amount of activity or status really matters. And then God's way of living is such a better way that actually is fulfilling every day and abundant for the, the ways that abundant matters. And, and it's a reframing of the way that we do life and then the invitation every day. And what we do with time alone with God is again, not an obligation, but it's a way if I, if I go too many days without remembering that and reminding myself of what God says matters and what success really is, then I find myself getting swept up in the current of where the world's taking me and I'm redefining success the way the world does again and I'm exhausting myself. So I need that almost daily reminder of what really matters most. As you're describing kind of your, that guy you know, who's struggling to pray or do their devotional time or feeling not spiritual enough. I mean, I, that, that felt like me, that's felt like me, you know, where I'm just like, man, I just needed to, I need to spend more time in the word or like supposed to be doing more devotional time, or I just am, you know, struggling with this or with that. And I'm just not enough. And, you know, I think the, the first thing I would say is just to not let shame beat you down, you know, cause that, that's the first thing that happens that, and, the, the enemy does this. And I think sometimes religion does this. It beats you down for not being spiritual enough for not being good enough. And so we can end up feeling like I'm never going to be that guy. I'm never going to be this person that has it all together or, or is spiritual enough to, for God to use me or to love me fully, you know? And I mean, I was it, been in ministry most of my life and felt insufficient all the time because I wasn't quite in the word enough or praying enough or close to God enough. And you know, I don't think that was ever the heart of God, that I was not enough because I didn't spend enough time with him that week, you know, but the, well, the dangerous part is that you still have these kind of pressures and expectations to perform for God uh, and accomplish all these things from maybe a place that's not healthy and not from a deep well. And so you're always trying to draw from that well to serve and to love and yet internally feeling like I don't have anything to draw from. And what it creates is this kind of disintegrated persona where who you are in reality is different from who you are internally. And the more you go on like that and push harder and harder and harder, the drier and drier and drier, drier you get, the more disintegrated or disintegrated. That's where the word disintegrated comes from, where you're literally breaking into pieces because what's true about you and what you portray are two separate things. And so I think what's so critical for people who are doing any kind of ministry, and what I mean by that is, trying to use their life to glorify God and to love others. Uh, that's, that's ministry. What I mean by that, not even vocation, anybody who has that passion, that it's so important to be an integrated person where you're not being somebody different than who you, well, you're not internally different than who you're portraying yourself to be. And so, you know, for me, if I find that guy and I, and I have been, I just start with honesty with myself and with others and just go, this is where I'm at. And with, with guys like you and go, this is where I'm at. I just not, I'm struggling to connect with God and I'm don't find the value there right now, or I'm not feeling filled up when I do connect with him and not feeling the presence of God. And I just don't like these other things get in the way, like just starting honestly and just talking about it is super important. It's not something we do very often. We want to like, you know, post our quick quote we found from scripture today on Instagram and look all spiritual when inside we're like struggling. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, being honest about where we're at is huge. And then, you know, the, the other thing that's been important for me is just to do a, an honest evaluation around is the way I'm doing things right now working for me. And just, you know, the, our lives are really, they're the sum of our, our choices, how we choose to spend our time. And so there's been seasons where I've been doing a lot of things at the expense of actually connecting with God on an individual level. And that was destroying me inside, frankly, where I just was, you know, that I felt that disintegrated dis, disintegration happening where I would go for me on a stage on Sunday and talk about how good God is. And like, this is the best way to live and following Jesus is better than anything else. And then I'd go home and feel miserable. And I felt that mm-hmm. pull between this is I'm now at this point living a lie. And, and I think we end up doing that as Christians or can do that as Christians. That's why we get called out for being hypocrites <laughs> as Christians sometimes. That's why that's the stigma around Christianity is because we are proclaiming something that we're not always reflecting. And so, but when I, when I started asking the question, is this working for me? The answer was no. And I had to look and go, okay, what do I change? And I began to realize that, man, I'm sure doing a lot of stuff for God and not spending a lot of time with him. Maybe I need mm-hmm. to actually cut mm-hmm. some things out of all the things I'm achieving for God and all the work I'm doing for him in order to actually have relationship with him. And that felt like I was almost demoting myself. I felt uh, fear around what other people would think about me. I felt like I didn't have enough to offer God as you know, like I did before, like I was doing all this stuff for him. Certainly he's proud of me. And I felt like I didn't have that. And so I almost had to rework my relationship with him uh, and go, okay, God, before I go do a bunch of stuff for you again, I need to feel like I'm okay before I do that. And so I, you know, part of, again, going back to my reevaluating, am I a worship leader? Part of this season has been, I'm not leading worship on stage on Sundays because I, what started as me just loving to worship God on a guitar in my room turned into only doing that on stage because it was my job. And so I actually had to stop doing that uh, for a season and bring it back to the purity and integrity of what it really was meant to be before stepping back into that in a healthy place again, if I ever do. And if I never do, that's okay. I'd rather have the real relationship with God than a fake show, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Good. Yeah. As you're talking, Josh, I was getting this like mental picture of, you know, when a gardener, like gardeners don't just like plant these trees and then expect them to just produce fruit all the time. Like they know there's a seasonality to that. And I think God creates in the scripture uses like nature metaphors and growth metaphors often for a reason, because we're meant to look at our seasons and Romans says that nature declares the invisible attributes of God. Like, and I think nature speaks so much to the ways of God. Like, and you look at if, if something's not producing fruit, the farmer doesn't like go to like the very end of that and be like, it needs to work harder. It's like, why is it not working hard? Like it's, there's something wrong about that connection to nutrients. There's something wrong about where it's not the season where you're supposed to be getting that fruit out. Like it's not a season for it to bear fruit. But I think there's work to be done still every day, but it's that work looks interior. You know, it doesn't look like a harvest every day. There's a season for that. And I think, but what we want in our expression of our faith is constant fruit. We always want that chart to go up and to the right and growth and measure and more and more and more. And I think when, when farmers actually try to do that for their, for their land, that's when you see land get more unhealthy and eventually it's unusable and they have to go right back to like the, the beginning again. And you're seeing like, you know, even better like farming practices actually come to bear right now with our country because farmers were, that was the expectation that they were, they were kind of cutting, cutting corners to be able to just constantly get harvest and wasn't good for the land. And so I think God is like that with us and we so often judge ourselves and others by is it a harvest or not? And we see others in harvest season and we're like, why am I not in harvest season? And what do I do to get there? But often it looks like the hard work of tilling the soil and making sure the nutrients are there and that 
you know, that John 15 idea of we're connected to the vine. And then from there, it's like the branch doesn't work hard to bear fruit. It just bears fruit when it's supposed to, you know, and it's like, is it just connected to the vine and it will, you know, and, and the fruit it's, that it's supposed to bear, not the same fruit that every other, other vineyards bear. It has the, the own fruit it's supposed to bear. And I think that we have to like reframe success in relationship with God like that. I, the, the one practical thought that comes to mind is there's a book by Henry Cloud called Boundaries that I love. And he says in that book that one of the key ways to set boundaries of you things you should be doing and not doing is, is the idea that God never asks you to say yes with your mouth when there's a no in your heart. Like if there's a no in your heart, you can try to work on your heart to see if you can get it to yes. If you want there to be a yes there, but don't say yes until there's a yes in your heart. And if there's not a yes in your heart, say no. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's so hard for me to do and for us to do, but um, I think that that can be such a powerful way to kind of have that paradigm shift that should I be doing this or not? And what kind of season am I in? And what, what should that look like? I hate you, Henry Cloud. So good. <laughs> so good. I need boundaries. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think for, for me, it comes at this false understanding of what God expects yeah. of me and that, that that's, that's the question that I always answer is like, well, does God expect this of me? Does he do it? Maybe I should do it. Is anyone else willing to do it? No. Okay. Well, I'll do it. And that's how I usually go about my entire life. And that runs out pretty quick. And I mean, you run out on empty and then you have nothing to give and you've given a model to others who are following you that they can't, they can't like replicate without killing themselves and creating all of these expectations that are just kind of unrealistic. And I mean, I think Josh, your disintegrated word was cool. I wish I could do that with words. Mm-hmm. It's like, I was trying to think of a word to say it's like integrity <laughs> It means it means I'm really into gritty. Yeah, no, that was cool. I love that. But I I think that the disintegrated as well as the plates, like that is the disintegrated where we're trying to do all of the things and not realizing that God's wanting to, like wanting our faith to be woven into the fabric of our life and that it, it would be the thing that is holding all the, all the other things together. I just, I, I love that. Now for... For mentors, I'll say that I think there's a desire to see fruit. There's a desire to see life change. And and a lot a lot of the times in our own life, I think personally in our relationship with God, we want the breakthrough. Like and and there are there have been significant moments in my life where God has just shown up in unexpected ways, moved in 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 the moment and not just the long haul prayer where you prayed for 15 years or whatever. I said 15 years, 15 mm-hmm. minutes is first 15, right? You're not asking people for 15 years of devotion. I mean, if they'll get that, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny that first 15 is, is the long term game. And yet it's 15 minutes every morning. Like spending time with God for 15 minutes could actually be you playing the long term game for your spiritual walk with God. And some people that, that may be, there may be a misconception there of like, no, if I'm trying to do something long-term, that means I got to go to these conferences. I got to buy, buy all these materials, all these commentaries. I got to get Tony Evans commentary for sure. I got to, I got to buy a concordance and strongs and like, 
there's just this design that's like, well, we just need all of the things in order to make it. And you're just saying, no, just get in front of God for 15 minutes and just shut your mouth. It's kind of, it's kind of less things. We need less things. Ultimately, you know, I think we, we add on so many things that don't matter, you know, like how many, how much time we spend on our phones, how much time we're watching Netflix, how much time we're just doing things that don't matter. And ultimately really aren't that life-giving for us. You know, I don't ever feel like rejuvenated after watching binging a Netflix show. Like I, I feel like I spaced out and distracted myself from what's really going on in my heart, and my mind, but I don't feel refreshed, you know? So I think there's so much really that what's so powerful. I think about spending that time with God is not that I just added a bunch of information in my mind or made like in my spiritual to-do list just got super long. All of a sudden, the goal is just to, to slow down. You know, you see even Jesus all the time, everybody, everybody was pulling him everywhere all the time, even in his day. In that culture, which was significantly slower than ours today, people were pressing and pulling on Jesus all the time. And even then he's like, stop. He's like getting out of there, spending time away, you know? Uh, and so how much more in this like American culture that we live in, where it's just hustle all the time, you know, it's only been, you know, however many decades where we've had electricity and lights, <laughs> or you could even work past daylight hours that hasn't been that long in the, the history of humanity that that's been possible. You know, so what we are capable of working way more and at a faster pace than ever before in human history. And so it's now more important than ever for us to just to learn how to slow down that, that God is in the stillness. And, you know, again, for me, I found that I, you know, I just, it wasn't that I wasn't spending enough time in scripture and like pressing in and learning and yeah, reading the commentaries. It just, I wasn't quiet enough just in my own mind, just quiet enough for a long enough period of time, just for God to even have a chance to get a word in, you know, like, you know, I, I was always asking God, why don't you speak to me? Why don't I feel your presence? And I'm just like hustling from, you know, morning to night, like, where does he have, a, where does he have space to show up? And so, you know, I think in, in Christian circles, we end up making lists of things we need to accomplish where God's just like, just slow down and just invite me in. That's, uh, you know, it feels way different when it's this to-do list that we have to add or an invitation to just slow down and be in this presence, you know? Yeah, it's so good. You know, I, I think uh, this is a few years back where I feel God like inviting me and inviting me, inviting me to like this, this mentality of less and redefinition of success. And he still does that every day. And I think one of my main fears was like, what if I stop and I don't want to start again? Like, what if I really let go and I stop trying to keep this plate spinning? Like, what if it falls off the, the pole it's on, you know? And it really, what if it crashes and breaks and I can't put the pieces back together and what's going to be left? Which I think was speaking to how exhausted and burnout I was that I didn't have a trust that I actually desired to do the things I was doing. I just was committed to this activity and was afraid if I stopped, I wouldn't start again. I think a lot of people get into that place because of how we define success and how tired we are so often. And I think this has been a hard thing for me to figure out how to talk about but I think I've been getting more and more convinced of this truth, like that within scripture, I think how God sees us is as made in the image of himself. That's what Genesis tells us is that you and I are made in the image of God. Scripture tells us that the very nature of God is love, not that he does the activity of love, like he is love. And I think at our core, when I look at humanity and human beings, we are loving beings. Like that's who we are. And when we're not, it's because we're acting a different way than how God created us or something happened that interrupted that connectivity between our original design for our creation. Like there was a wound, there was a trauma, there was something that interrupted that flow of where like what life is about. And I think we're acting out even of that wound so often, like 
who we are as loving beings. And when you look at individual people, I think you find that they're generally loving, like what they want out of life is love, who they want to be is loving. And that might be a different definition of what that looks like, but that's what they think they're doing. And I think if we slow down and we take a break and we be first, I think you'll discover that you actually do want to get active and loving towards others. Like that will be there. It's not going to be gone. It's not going to get lost. And you'll find that it's so much more productive and effective when you wake up and you say, I have capacity for this person I just met. Like a meeting in the context of mentoring, I'm hearing this opportunity to get involved in the life of another person. And I'm meeting this person. I really am feeling a pull towards them. And I have capacity for that. Like I have love for them. I have energy. I have a loving perspective of myself. My family is healthy. I'm in a place where I've made room and capacity to do this naturally. So I wake up and this is, I'm like, oh, I gotta go do this thing. Even if there's those times we have to fulfill commitments and we, and we do occasionally work our way into that sense of like, I know I want to be here and I'm going to get here. I think there's a value to that occasionally too, but it shouldn't be the norm. And if, if overall we're waking up every day and we're allowing ourselves to be who we are, which is love, like made in the image of love, loving beings, then I think we'll find that there's so much more fruit that will be natural. Like, like Jesus used that image for a reason. It says, abide in me and I in you, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And that when we abide in him, that we will bear fruit, like is the promise. And I think we'll find that we'll do that in a way that's natural, that's not forced, that's not coerced, that's healthy, that happens in its season, that's connected to the overall body of Christ. And that just that rediscovery that, oh, I do like doing things actually. And I do, I do love people, um, even when I've let go of that definition of success as a definition of, you know, a mass amount of activity that's visible to others. Like, and letting all that go, it's been so life-giving to discover that all that stuff is actually there and is natural for me. And it's kind of who God's made me to be. And uh, it's so much more fulfilling now, actually, when I feel like I'm active in the times that I'm doing that well, uh, where it's less exhausting because it's, it's, it's fulfilling for me in, in a way, because I know it's what I was created for. That's so good, Craig. And it it dispels the lie that we have to live disintegrated. Right. Like we can we can choose to be integrated and not put forward this other version of ourselves to prove that we're loving, prove that we're worthy, prove that we're we're great. I mean, I love when people think I'm great, mm-hmm. but like I can't I can't live with that pressure of trying to make everyone think that I'm great because I'm going to yeah. die. I think too, Stephen, what, I mean, what you were saying earlier about just your heart for mentoring and you see all these good opportunities like for the kingdom and to love people. That's, those are God breathed things, you know, and that's what can get so confusing about it is that mm-hmm. also that's, a, that's not you, that's not selfish you. That's you pouring yourself out for a God breathed heart. That's you being connected to the heart of God and his love for people. So we don't want to villainize doing stuff because that is, the action and the activity of God. And so that that's powerful. And you've all, you've always been inspiring to me in that way. Cause I tend to be a little more of a hermit and you're all, you're out loving people, which I think is a lot more like Jesus, but you know, I, I do think it's just important to recognize that we, we can't do everything. You know, we are, we are yeah. limited as people and there's an inevitably some loss especially it's usually worldly loss you know like to to do things for god in a healthy way means we have to give up some things you know like at one point i had to go am i willing to just not make as much money and so i can say no to things and that was that was a hard one for me like i, I like money <laughs> i like to make some more money or be able to go eat out more or whatever am i willing to make less money to be healthy and to do what god's calling me to do to call me to do okay you know am i willing to look a little less successful or not be known as much to be healthy and to do what god's called me to do 
okay, I can, you know, and so I think there is recognizing this, this loss that we have to also uh, account for, for the sake of being able to do what we're talking about to accomplish things with the heart of God, but also not kill ourselves in the process, you know? So anyway, man, I appreciate your heart too, for just loving people. And it's, it's awesome. want to be more like you. Thanks, man. Well, I want to be like you guys. And I, I tell you every time, like I'm with y'all, my blood pressure just like goes down <laughs> and I, I don't even know what blood pressure is, but I can just feel it. And, and things like this, like I'm sure a mentee who has a mentor who's abiding in Jesus, he's going to feel that experience. And, and I think that that is something that's might possibly be more valuable than any wisdom or teaching that that mentor could give is a presence that gives you peace and helps you to feel known and feel rest. And like that, that's really valuable. And, and so I never wanted to do this episode, but here I'll say it like, yes, you can mentor, but maybe there are seasons that you shouldn't. <laughs> maybe you should take a, a time off the field. Like Ecclesiastes says, there's a, there's a season for sowing and there's a season for reaping. There's a season to build up and a season to tear down. Maybe there's a season to not be mentoring because God wants you to be healthy. And maybe being healthy means you, you take a seat for a season and that that's, that's okay, that that's godly, that that like brings him honor, that you would be humble enough to do it. Or if you exalt yourself and do it and it gets taken from you, either your, your marriage suffers and you get a divorce or your life gets on fire, your business is going crazy and you have to bail out. Like it's, it's either we give it up or we lay it down. And mm. it's probably a, a better to lay it down in humility than have it taken from us, I, mm. I would say, which is, is hard, hard for us to do. I mean, I've had mentors in our own organization who are starting new businesses, who are walking through the pandemic, trying to navigate all of life's challenges right now with families and feeling the pressure to continue mentoring, to push through. And a lot of them, it's killing them. And I have to be clear with them, like, hey, I care about you. Like, as a as a man, I care about your family. I care about your responsibilities. Like, yes, mentoring is, is great. And, I mean, this kid loves you. But at the same time, I love you. And, and I want you to be okay and be okay with not fulfilling your commitment but taking a season off. And, and I think sometimes mentoring organizations, that's hard for us to say because we're like, we want more volunteers. We want everyone to give more time. We want to see the impact. But really for us, it's probably best for us to say, hey, dial it down. Less is more. And really recognize the seasonal nature of life that could affect a mentor's commitment. So, man, I I love what you guys shared. I love, I mean, just what I feel when I'm around y'all and hope that other people, other mentors who are crazy like me, find friends like you to be in their corner to kind of balance this out. Because Josh was saying that I'm more like Jesus. I feel like you guys are more like Jesus because you're, you're walking an abiding life and a humble life, talking about these things with your wife and recognizing the temptations that you face and... And so I just, I really appreciate you guys. The last thing I was going to say, I know I'm a little over my time and you guys are important. In, in mentoring, we ask a bunch of questions. And one of, the, one of the things that drives mentors crazy is when you ask kids questions and they don't answer. So we say things like, hey, how was your day? 
What was your favorite part of your day? What was difficult about your day? Things like your highs and lows, your roses and thorns, your, I don't know what else they call it in, in your world. What, what do they call it in your world? Do they say highs and lows? We think about like ups and downs, wins and yeah. losses. I don't know. Just like that. Yeah, we do highs and lows for sure. Yeah. Well, and you can get really frustrated when a kid, his responses to these answers are good, fine, no, yes. Mm. And what I began to recognize, because I have, I probably have two friends that are like this in my life that ask me questions about how I'm doing and getting into my space. And I'll realize that I answer in the same way, that I'm completely unaware of my own emotional and spiritual mm. life and have not worked that muscle of, of really communicating how I feel. And I think part of that is communicating it to God because I viewed my relationship with God of receiving knowledge from him, not like, I guess, growing in self-awareness and processing my own uh, junk, like, and laying it down at his feet. God, I'm feeling like this because of this. And, and that process, me doing that is going to make me a better mentor. If I'm, if I'm processing my own pain, bringing it to the Lord, that's going to set me up to be able to have those conversations and, and be a guide that's abiding rather than just frustrated that this kid's not answering questions that even me myself won't even answer because I haven't gone there. So that, that was just a thought in my yeah. head. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good to have an opportunity. Just even that's what my time with God looks like so often is just, it's me discovering how I'm doing too. You know, just who God is and what he says matters most and all that. But it's a time every day to start my day, just trying to be my kids awake, you know, like that there's such a value, I think for parents, even of getting awake before your kids, just to realize that you're a full human being, you know, before kids start and work starts and everything else in your day starts. Like, even if you just spend those 15 minutes, like sitting outside, drinking a cup of coffee or something, like just being, recognizing that you're a full adult human being, like without these other things in your life starting can be so valuable. And that's what it often looks like for me is that time of self-assessment, just checking in. And I think God does that. He asks those questions of me so often. That's one of those valuable pieces. It's like, I walk away being like, oh, here's why I'm feeling so stressed or, oh, I feel like I have capacity today or just that sense of, of, of awareness. And even like you're saying, Josh, that sense of being connected to myself, let alone connected to God and able to go out and bear fruit as a, as a facet of abiding in him. Yeah, I just think we have, we have the opportunity to change the, the normal. Like I think about my dad and his struggle to connect with his emotions and be present with me in, in a lot of ways. And then, but I look back at his dad and it was even more, more challenged, more of a struggle for him. And I have a little compassion for why my dad is that way. And then I recognize the capacity myself to be that way too, unaware of my emotions, not emotionally connecting even with my, my boys, because I'm just busy and active and doing stuff. And so I, I think it's so important that as we're talking about mentoring, being good humans, being good dads, things like all of that, we have to do the work ourselves to be present with ourselves, be present with God, connect with him. You know, we're, we are mentoring and leading, whether we like it or not, in some form or fashion, people are looking to us. And so I think we really does start with the personal responsibility that we have to, to, to know who we are, know how we're feeling, be able to answer the questions ourselves before we can expect others to be able to answer the questions. And, and I love what you're saying, Stephen, it's really leading by example, that the, really the example of who we are and the presence that we carry and the people are going to see that more than they're going to see the, or remember the words that we shared with them. They're going to remember that, man, there's just this peace, you know, or yeah, they, they actually stepped down on some things and, and, 
to actually be healthy and take care of their family and themselves. And maybe I could do, maybe that's important, you know? So I, I do think it's something I have to remind myself constantly is I need to be an example, not just do, do things or tell my kids what to do. They should see that modeled every day, you know, or at least I would hope every day. I'm not, not there yet, but <laughs> one of these days. Wow, this this has been rich, guys. That is Craig Dennison, Josh Miller, the first fifteen podcast devotional worship group. What what else did you say? Kitchen kitchen stuffs coming out later, later this year, twenty twenty one. A clothing line for dogs as well as like something I'm really passionate about. So like, look out for that, and maybe the next like I don't know, call it like seventeen and a half months. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. Well, once once you guys come out with your own like logoed snuggies or something for quiet times y'all should think about that. that i mean or or scented candles i don't i don't know if there's a first 15 scented mm. candle holy spirit scented frankincense and myrrh i don't know dude dude I, i'm throwing i'll i'll throw y'all some more ideas over email steven, I'm but... product development team you <laughs> <laughs> need one more thing to do steven you're just telling us <laughs> No, guys, no, I'm not. I'm actually going to stop doing this podcast. This is my last episode. So <laughs> love you guys. Thank you all so much for investing in mentors and mentoring leaders. How can how can people connect with you guys? That's great. Yeah, if you guys are if you're looking for a way to spend meaningful time with God every day, um, our devotional stuff is free. You can go to first15.org. That's first15.org and sign up to get it by email. We have a podcast and mobile app. We try to get devotionals wherever you're at. And so the probably best place to go would be first15.org and sign up and start getting devotionals for free to your inbox first thing every morning. Come on. Last question. What would you say is your biggest competitor? Ooh, the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to lose that one. That's a great question. I Honestly, I love devotional content. And so I'm like a devotional junkie. So I've read like my almost for his highest for a number of years. I think Jesus Calling is awesome. I do like version reading plans for like the Bible app. Yeah. There's a bunch of good stuff in there. So, and then there's like, I feel like a lot of people have daily devotionals now. And so it's just every kind of their flavor. But uh, our goal is like, you know, be more experiential than informational. It's kind of a little bit different with worship and prayer in it. But there's a bunch of great stuff. So I honestly am constantly reading other people's stuff. It's awesome. This snooze button is your biggest competitor. Yeah, probably social media, honestly, and like how it, how it pulls you onto this platform and sucks you in the vortex. Phone notifications. Yeah. You should you should send out notifications from God. That's a great that's a great you like and they and you get I don't know if that's heretical. And like or not. work with iPhone or Apple so that like you can't not swipe it. It's like God is telling you to do your daily devotional and a clock starts and your phone locks for fifteen minutes until you finish. Coercion. I, I think it's devotional by coercion is the next step. And the ideas are just flowing. I'm loving this. Yeah. Oh, I love you guys. Thank y'all for being on the podcast. Thanks, Steven. Thanks for having us, man. Seriously. Dude.